Welcome to Koala Time, the Ko Koala Entertainment Podcast. My name is Anthony Nicolosi, <laughs> and I'm Skylar Sokol. See, that was another impromptu little jingle out from me there. <laughs> the, the singing intro is back. That sounded copyrighted to me, but I can't put my finger on what it was. Well, if if it was, damn, what a what a coincidence, I must say. <laughs> um, was not inspired by anybody, but if you, if somebody out there randomly made a jingle that sounded like that, respect, okay? Uh, yeah, your conscious mind at least wasn't inspired by anybody. <laughs> That's right, my conscious mind was not. Alright, uh, very good. What are we so talking this about? This week, yeah. we are talking about game release windows. Uh, you made that sound way more exciting than I think anyone will feel like it is. Oh, but it is hype, right? Because that's when... Pre-game, b- before a game release comes out, it's all about the hype, and I'm all about the hype. But th- anyway, that's w- we might talk about that a little bit here, but um, yes, game release windows. Skylar, what do you think? Um, I think, yeah, this is a very interesting topic because I think it's sort of shifted over the years, and people probably have a lot of opinions on when are good times to release games, bad times to release game. What does it mean for like a business to release a game at a time versus like the perspective of like a consumer who wants a game to release at a specific time? And are those aligned? I don't know. Um, how do you feel about like when games are released and what what's best? Has that like shifted for you, or what do you think? Well, that's a good question. I think I'd start by saying that it has uh, that the answer to that question has shifted. If I if I think back like twenty years ago when I first started getting games you know that that'd be the time when my parents were buying things for me i was like what nine ish years old um the times of the year that i would usually get games were either right when summer break started first from school or the holiday season generally my birthday's right after christmas so around that time frame um many times like we would get it for christmas uh, new consoles games or whatever so my perception of receiving games is definitely skewed by that. Like, I felt like all of the games I would get, like, all the games came out during, uh, you know, quarter four era. Um, but I think to some extent that was true. Like, for some of the franchises I've played, like, Halo did usually come out during that time frame. I think the initial Pokemon release was released around that time frame on the Game Boy. But, um,. That's just how I... Those were the times I got the games, right? So it felt like all the games came out that time, but... Well, uh, I'm going to ask you, do you think that the reason you played the games you played was because they were... That majority of them were releasing in that quarter four window, and so you were more prone to being hyped up by them because it was coming up to the time where you could get games, so you're paying more attention to what games were coming and stuff like that? Do you think maybe if Halo had released in June, maybe you would have never cared about Halo or ever played it? I think there's a, definitely a realistic per, amount of... It could, yeah, that could, <laughs> that could be the case. Um, yeah, I'd be curious. There's no way to really know, but... No way to really know. Like if I, I could think maybe if my friends like were all playing Halo... Halo was a big deal when it came out. Like Let's say it came out with the same magnitude... Yeah, it's hard to talk about Halo because it was this launch title, right? So, like, if we assume that it wasn't somehow, that's really where this would make sense, right? Um, I think that for me during that era, I would say there were some games like Gears of War, which is, again, released quarter four um, for Xbox. Gears of War uh, was an example of a game that did come out around that time frame. 
Because, like, every every Christmas when we were asking, like, in our family, like, what we want, you know, like, uh, it, we would, you know, could look at games that were out, right? So games that were yeah. coming ar- out around that time frame were definitely more top of mind, if you will. Yeah, I'm thinking there may be some recency bias or something. Or something, yeah. So, um, the difference, like I was saying, at least for me personally, was also during the summer, like, if my friends were playing a game... Um, that would be another reason. Like, that's how I found out about Smash. I definitely don't think... Like, for sure, I found about about Super Smash originally on the Nintendo 64, playing it at my friend's house during summer break, and then I saved up with my brother and bought a 64 for it, blah, 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 all this stuff. But, um, mm-hmm. so, that was that's probably the only other way during that time frame that I, like, would consider games. Is like if I played them with my friends over the summer. If not, I do think games releasing in quarter four were more likely to end up in my hands, right? Because of the fact that yeah. we usually got games during that time. And that's very interesting because that was not my experience as a kid. I would get games year-round just by, like, renting them from Blockbuster and shit. Like, I rented games way more than I bought games at that age. I don't think I bought games, like, almost ever. It was pretty rare. Um, so a lot of the games I had were games I was renting and thus it didn't really matter when they were coming out. I was just going to Blockbuster, looking through the games, picking one I thought looked cool and playing it. Yeah, that's so Skylar. That's that's cool. Uh, playing lots of games. Um, yeah, I and I mean... Some games. I yeah. rented some. Yeah, I mean, I would go... I mean, like, I would go to Blockbuster, like, every week or two and trade in my old game and get a new game. That's cool. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, I... You know, I, uh... One difference, it's I guess still a game, is like when I was a kid, uh, the Pokemon trading card game. That I got like kind of all throughout the year. We'd go to like the card shops and get stuff. You're talking about the physical card game. Yeah, the physical card game. We were like really into it probably until whatever, we were 12-ish or something. Were you so, actually playing it or were you just collecting the cards though? No, we would play it. We, act, we, okay. we did go I think to one or two tournaments. Um, okay. Wait, but this is very different, right? Because this isn't like a release window, right? This is a product you were already on board with, which sort of changes the perception pretty significantly. Yep, yep. No, for sure. Um, So, yeah, I guess it sounds like we had very, very different um, game release window experiences, at least when we were younger. Yeah, for sure. So what does it look like nowadays to you? Um, I think I will lead into this section for you with a quote. From a man from a studio called Larian Studios. I'm not sure what games they've made, but his name is Michael Douse. And his quote was, There is no longer a good time to release a game. There are only less shit times to release a game. <laughs> you know, uh, that my perception, to answer your question, is generally that the market, the the game, games are releasing all year round, it feels like. Um, maybe, well, the market is my- so saturated, right? Yes, maybe a little less in the summer is still my perception at least, but um, if if we look at the two, my two most anticipated releases this year in Halo Infinite and Ori and the Will of the Wisps, um, Halo Infinite still quarter four with whenever Xbox new Xbox console comes out, and then Ori is this week, so the spring. I feel like generally um, I've purchased a lot more games in quarter one and two of uh in the last three years than i i I used to and there's a lot of reasons to that but i definitely do think that um some of the games i'm interested some of the franchises that have shown up have uh have i don't know started releasing 
not just at the end of the year, just kind of all year round. And there's a lot of a lot to this. I, I mean, there's the difference of you know the changes in my life. Obviously, now I'm on my own. I don't live with my parents, and um, I make my own money, and I can buy things whenever I want. I think there's the changes of the technology that's involved with the marketing, right? Like social media didn't exist 20 years ago. Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot more visibility into seeing games any time of the year and spreading hype without needing to surround it around this holiday season or some other time. Yep. Um, and so people are more able to just buy games whenever they want. Um, and games releasing has changed, right? Like you, there's a lot more like incremental upgrades that are released or dlc that are released or subsequent chunks that are released right it's yeah i know people who don't even buy games until like the definitive edition comes out like two years later with all the dlc in it for like way cheaper than anything that it would have been yeah for sure that yep Uh, um i think it's interesting and like i ori is an interesting example that you bring that up um i wish we had like more data for a bunch more games that are coming out this year but um ori is an indie game, right? That was not a AAA game the first the first time it came out, and that was released in March the first time as well. In fact, on the same day, yep. um, five years ago, and so I don't know. Like that game did great, but for indie games, indie games make revenue off in a much more long term way than AAA games. AAA games need to make their money back like immediately until they release their next DLC, whereas indie games are much more interested in this slow trickle maybe sales maybe like continued support of their game just because they love it kind of thing and they'll just slowly pick people up as they go uh maybe also early access plays a role in that too yeah i i mean at least from my perspective if i were ori like if i'm moon studios releasing ori the first one just to clarify the first one yeah sorry the first one um I think I would be interested in attempting to release the game when, at least, like, if, if you look at quarter four, if you've got, even just if it's Call of Duty, Battlefield, some of the regulars in that, t- during that time of the year, there's, there like, it, it seems like the ad space is just infiltrated, at least my where, where I look, right? And that obviously could be affected by Google and everybody knowing what I want to look at and whatever. But the right. ad space becomes infiltrated with, like, these franchises, um, and there's uh, a lot of press around some of the stuff coming out, uh, at least again, influence biased by my world, but, um, so I would be interested in kind of waiting that out if I was Moon Studios and waiting for a time of the year where there's maybe less of that going on. Um, because they're almost like what I would consider like double A <laughs> kind of, a uh, they were like, not in Ori one. Yeah. No, I, like the the it, they were it was a high quality game. I I don't know. I put them a tier above a lot of the other indie games that I personally have uh, you know considered playing, um, um, which is why sure. I say that. But that may be anyway. a bias as a result of the art being good, but yes, I understand. Yeah, yeah. So um, anyway, well, that, yeah, I, I think that's interesting. And I think the fact that you can decide to release a game in March now and it t- it'll be fine because you can just spread the hype just the same right they're just trying to avoid the hype of games coming out like whether it's holiday season or otherwise just big games coming out trying to avoid that hype because like in the past right there was like a limited space for hype there was like tv commercials and maybe some other ways you found out about games but there wasn't what it is now there's not this infinite space where anyone can talk about their game anytime and just like fill up the the spaces um 
So, like, what they're worried about, right, is avoiding a bit people talking about something else while their game's coming out. And I don't really think that was a concern before, just because the market wasn't so saturated. So, like, there was a limited number of games being released daily 20 years ago, and now there's, like, essentially an infinite number of games being released daily. Right. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, I, I personally still feel like the June-ish, July-ish time frame is still a little dry. Um, it seems like th- there's a little window right before and after E3 that seems slow to me. At uh, least from I a AAA perspective? From a, yeah, from a AAA, yeah. Uh, I mean, indie games, some of the indie games that I am interested in also seem to not really start. Like, like well, Ori. Wait. Well, Ori's Cuphead. not an indie game, for the record. Anymore. Ori? The new one is not. Is it not? Why, they're owned why by Microsoft. Well, Microsoft, they're, it's being published as a Microsoft. Yeah, I don't think thing. you could be an indie game anymore if you're being published by Microsoft. And you've been under Microsoft since the first game came out. Okay, fair. Well, and Cuphead then would also fall under that. Um, because they were also... Well, Cuphead was game. almost done with development before they were acquired by Microsoft, actually. Like, they had done a lot of work before that. I would have considered Cuphead still an indie game. Okay. Well, so... Yeah, those titles kind of, uh, still avoid that June-July time frame, um, or weren't released then. So I don't know if it's again... Yeah, just- interestingly, though, I'm just doing a quick search. Um, oh, sorry, this is... No, never mind, I take that back. What I was about to say is not accurate. But um, but yeah, it's interesting. I, I wish that there was like a graph I could look at for all the years of when, like, all of... Like, the hundred best-selling games were released each year that would be a really interesting piece of data to have yeah now like i was saying it's like pre-e3 after e3 but the last of us 2 i believe comes out in may yeah that's coming out in the end of the very end of may but it's been delayed like twice right yeah um fantasy 7 remake comes out in april also been delayed though so May is May is real close to June. May 29th is very close to a June yeah. release. So that's actually uh, interesting to me. Um, I'll be like that game. I expect to really sell well, uh, of course. But yeah, maybe that's why it just doesn't really matter anymore. Because some of these games get so much hype that they could basically release anytime and people are gonna buy them. Yep. Yep. I agree. Um, now, if you're a small Indie studio, let's say. <laughs> when yes. would you release? So I have a quote for this too. Um, there's a guy. His name is Paul Kilduff Taylor. He's from a company called Mode Seven Games, and he said one issue with coverage of indie games is that in 2010, a single article on a single site could literally make you greater than a hundred thousand dollars in a week with the right title. In 2012 to 2014 ish, that was true of a single YouTube video. That is all completely gone now. Um, and I think that's like pretty true. Like indie games now, the space is even more saturated than the general game space, really. And so, it's hard to say whether there's a good time to release your game. I mean, I would almost say that the best time to release your game is after you've been able to generate hype, however long that took. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. Unless you already know that your game is going to sell well, like it's been written about or people are talking about it, you probably just shouldn't release it. Yep. Yeah, no, that's that's an interesting point. Um, how, 
while you, the point you just made when we were talking about The Last of Us, that at least for these big AAA franchises, um, they are so established and they can generate hype so easily that maybe release windows don't care as much. Maybe it's a little opposite for these indie studios, right? Like, they don't have that luxury of just being able to generate hype just off of the, you know, carrying off of the previous entries. So they have to get creative, like you're saying, especially, I mean, really creative if uh, with the saturation of the market, I think the increase of technology available to the indies just generally kind of bumping up the quality of these games. These games are crazy, man. Like the quality of some indie games that have come out over the last uh, three or four years has just been like astounding. Like the aesthetic, uh, not even, like yeah, the aesthetic I assume you're talking the, mostly about the visual quality, right? Yeah, visual, kind of the 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 amount of polish around. I guess the visual games. quality and the scale of these games has yeah. increased. Right. Um, I think indie games like five plus years ago were still extremely high quality games, but they were much more focused experiences. And there's a lot of possibilities now for indie games to be much larger scale um, and just to do a lot more. Right. And yeah. potentially not have to take like 10 years developing your game to do that. Like what happened with the witness and like cuphead and games like that. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. So how do you think, indie studios go about like wh- what are, what's a, what's an example of a game studio that recently released uh, an indie game studio that recently released a game that you thought did a good job on you know handling their release the release window generating hype up to it um can you think of one off the top of your head is it... hmm not really no um There's, this like, last week yeah sorry go ahead i just one. don't yeah, I don't know. Like, honestly, I didn't even know Ori was coming out in three days until you said it in this podcast. And I'm very excited about that game. Yeah. So I don't even so, know if that game has done a good job of revealing its release to me. I'm going to be honest. I um, I felt like it's... I, I don't feel like I've seen a ton of it either. I think, like, in the last week, I've seen some more out of Xbox uh, from that perspective. But I don't... I don't know. I, I also Honestly, feel like it... Yeah, go ahead. Um, okay. Honestly, I think the reality here is what I was saying earlier, is that indie games don't generally rely on their release windows to make their money. And so a lot of these games potentially don't really care about having this insanely huge release because they go for a more long-term strategy. Um like, for example, one big selling point for indie games, I think, is if they're very good games, they will get highly ranked at the end of the year on people's lists of games, and that's potentially when they will sell better, even if they didn't sell that well initially. You know, like, there's tons of games that have been thoroughly boosted in popularity just because they appeared on whatever Polygon's top games of the year at the end of that year. Sure. Right. It's a... Yeah, it's definitely more nuanced uh, for the... Yeah, like, I I don't know. I just don't think, in general, like, indie games are expecting to do super well on release. They'd like to, but I just think the reality is a lot of these people making indie games either don't have the finances or the, like, resources to make a campaign happen in such a way that they can release the game to all of this hype. And instead, they need to just release it and then build it through people's experiences afterwards. Right. Now... There are a couple of GDC talks. Um, I can find them. I know there's one from, I think it's EEDAR. 
is their name. They are, what does that stand for? Uh, uh, an NPG group company. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll find the name of this acronym. But basically, they have a ton of data on the video game market. And up okay. through 2018, they would do a talk at GDC every year talking about different metrics on games. Oh, sales. yeah, I remember you showing me this talk. Right, etc. Games, even indie games, definitely made the biggest chunk of their money at the around launch. Um, but what you said is definitely true. They would experience... Uh, you know, increases, uh, you know, some small spikes in sales around maybe a shout out or a coverage, like just general stuff, maybe at the end of the year. Uh, there were times, uh, there were blips of increases for them, definitely. Or like, uh, I remember a few games, a few, I can't remember the category of games this was, but there were indie games that um, had a significant increase in sales after uh, they localization additions into the game when they added new support for sure different that makes sense so, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so i i agree with you um i i just think, think i think it's interesting because for me or just generally in my experience like i think the reason for this too is that honestly most indie developers are not releasing their games to like make a billion dollars in the when when their game comes out like, most of these people want to make this, like... The, I'm talking about the studios that are not being published by Microsoft. The studios that are releasing these really unique experiences. Like, Return of the Obrigin, for example, from last year. Obrigin. Um, that game, one of, like, the best indie games released that year. I don't think did that well until it started hitting the, like, r the cycle where all the games got ranked... Where it got ranked really highly on a lot of people's lists. But, hmm. like... I think the developers of that game just wanted to make the game they wanted to make in the highest quality they could make it and then release it and let it live from there. And I think that's honestly a lot of indie studios approaches and maybe that's not why that maybe that's why a lot of these really popular in, or really good quality indie games don't do that amazingly well or at least initially don't, but I'm not sure that the people behind them necessarily care about that much. Like it's not like these AAA studios where the top priority is making money. For a lot of these like solo or dual developing teams like their goal is to make their game and hopefully get it to do well but like they want to make their game they don't have anyone telling them not to make the game they want to make so they just want to make that game yeah no i i think yeah the differences in the intentions of the studios definitely think what do you think about maybe the demographic who plays this game right like the differences in demographics like you're the guy who uh only buys call of duty every year right is definitely Probably, I think it's safe to say, generally looking for something different in his video game experience and whatever than the guy who plays this game you just mentioned or buys the game you just yeah. mentioned. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if that's true. It's potential that the guy who just plays Call of Duty all the time hasn't had the experiences to even know he wants something different. Yes, uh, but yes, there's a lot of variables as to why there's deltas in the demographics, but gen the behavior of these demographics, I think it's... I don't know. At least in my experience, the guy who plays Call of Duty maybe gets Battlefield, and those are like mainly the only kind of things he plays all year. Which I have lots of friends that that's basically what they do. Right, and um, they just need like one hype commercial about that game that they've already heard of to be like, all right, I'm buying this. Let's go. Whereas right. people with indie games, like for me, like I need one like Polygon article or some website article written about why this game is unique and interesting, and I will buy that game. And a, a random trailer on tv 
or on the internet, whatever, is very unlikely to make me want to buy a game. Almost well, ever. Well, not only that, right? You are looking for new experiences, right? Like Absolutely, yeah. I'm either looking for new experiences or experiences from indie companies that I've already like appreciated games from. Right. And I just think there's lots of people who, even if it's like, you tell me all the time about all these cool games, right? But for a combination of reasons, I, don't, I haven't pulled the trigger, I think, on any of them yet. Um, and I think there's a lot of people who have a similar thing where it's just like they, there's a lot of people like you, I think, who are looking for those interesting experiences to support those indie studios. It's, I think it's, it seems like a small thing, but I think there's a sizable audience of people who are interested in these experiences, um, in which the challenge for the indie developer, as you were saying, is figuring out how to make those people aware of this experience there right exactly it's, it's about. about visibility and i don't even know if that that's very solved like i'm not i would not say that any indie studio has necessarily solved that problem at all and it's probably more generally just been lucky breaks for a lot of these studios yeah and i i think uh, that with the reality of like how things continue to change in the technology space with like the t- differences in I mean, social media wasn't what it was 10 years ago. Discord, was Discord even around uh, 10 No, Discord years ago? is very recent. Yeah, so, um, like, there's a game that came out this week published by No More Robots. Uh, Your yes, Grace. Your Grace, yeah. right? Um, and Mike Rose, the head of No More Robots publisher, has talked at length in GDC Talks about the work he's done uh, on Discord to help build communities and promote those games. And they, they had a really successful launch uh, for them you know they they had a launch that was really successful for them this week uh he's been tweeting about it the last yeah unfortunately days. we don't have any statistics to say whether it's successful relative to other indie games that have done really well like no, right. ones where i would put them more in the lucky break category than the calculated release category yes. um i i would be curious how well their quote unquote extremely good release is compared to those games well and i think uh to your point earlier um, indie studios have a variety, a range of really what a good release means to them, right? Um, they just, it's not like a AAA studio where it's like, you know, if we don't see X return, um, it's a bad release, you know, no matter right. how Right, yeah, yeah, totally. Is. I think these indie studios just like really just want to like maybe make their money back and enough money to make one more, uh, make their next game. Right. And they really just want people to experience their game and enjoy it and then give them enough to make another. And that's so like basically that it, for, I think, right? from like, it for them. If Yes, Your Grace accomplished that to them, it's probably a successful launch, right? A hundred percent, and I'm sure it did based on what he's saying. Um, yeah. And that's true, and it's just interesting, this relative perspective, right? Like, a game that makes its money back from a AAA studio perspective, like, is a commercial failure. It did horrible. Right. Um, yep. And for, like, an indie studio, that might be, like, great. That might be, like, okay, awesome. Like, that means we can maybe make another one of these. Yes, no, it, for sure. And so, they, yeah, studios are. I, I, it's a. Dy- I think it's a shifting reality um, with the changes of how 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 a publisher, indie publisher, or how indie studios go about promoting it. You see some studios doing kind of like a um, being really open about their development, kind of sharing the the process of development as they go. You know, throughout making the game and leverage that as a way of building visibility of the game some studios don't some studios still remain relatively like secret about it but maybe try something else um maybe some studios like you said don't really do much of anything they're just trying to make a game and they'll that's their primary 
perspective. I, I mean, I, I personally feel like there's definitely some of these indie studios that are just, uh, uh, you know, they marketing, they're, they're pr- primarily focused on making a cool game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, know, making the game they want to make too, right? Like, right. I would argue that, like, I mean, this is why indie games are the most innovative games by far, right? Like, and I'm not just talking about innovative from a technological standpoint, because I think AAAs potentially have more resources to accomplish that. Um, like, for example, God of War accomplishing its, like, seamless camera thing. Like, that's not something an indie game would I- be innovating, quote-unquote, necessarily. But creating, like, entirely new gameplay experiences that are completely unexpected and, like, different is not something AAA studios really are doing. Unless you're, like, Nintendo and you're releasing the Nintendo Wii because you're fucking insane. Um... <laughs> And, like, that did great, obviously, but, like, you know, and, but there are these indie games, like, for example, there's a game called One Hour, One Life. Um, the reason I knew about it is because I knew about the developer before, from a previous game he had made. His name's Jason Rohrer. Um, he had just made this other weird game called Inside a Starfield Sky that I'd, like, played once ever, and maybe some other stuff, too, and I just knew about him, and I was like, alright, this game looks cool, and I followed it, and... I would argue that, like, this is probably one of the most innovative games that's been released ever. Uh, this is a game where you're born as a baby randomly in, like, a mass multiplayer online world. Um, that's huge, and it's, like, this map, and you're born to a random other player who's your mother, and they can choose to just, like, leave you on the side of the road, and you'll just die, and then you'll have to start over. Or they can raise you and bring you to the society, and then this game has, like, this huge scale because everyone just starts out as these, like, cavemen people in the middle of nowhere, and then you can, like, build entire societies with technology and everything, and as the game has progressed, that's sort of happened. And, like, you can make this whole civilization, but you only live a maximum of an hour. So, like, no matter what, if you're f- fully healthy the whole game, you will still die of old age after an hour. Uh, and then I you start over again. Yeah, right? A, a AAA studio is just not going to take a risk like that. Uh, no, exactly. They can't. And they can't afford to because they care so much about making their money because they're spending so much money, right? Like, I'm not saying that they're necessarily evil for doing this, but the reality is you can't spend as much money as they spend and, like, do this, right? Like, there, there's, like thousands of people whose jobs are on the line if they fuck up whereas like an indie studio an indie game made by one guy like it's one guy who's on the line grant for him it matters a lot but like if he's yep. more passionate about the project than he is about the money then like it doesn't actually matter that much yep no absolutely very cool well i don't know i think that's maybe a, a good place to close things out what do you think yeah sure i think that's great i think this Topics sort of ebbed and flowed around, and we had an interesting discussion, for sure. Yeah. So, if, if you're a listener, uh, come. You can fo- you can talk to us. You can find us. You can follow us at koala underscore ENT. Again, it's at koala underscore ENT for entertainment on Twitter, Instagram, uh, TikTok. By, you can uh, f- go to our website, koalaentertainment.com, and there are links to all our social media, and most importantly, our Discord server. If you want to jump in and talk to us about this episode, um, or just have suggestions for the podcast, or just hang out with friends, join into the Koala Walla Gaming Clips Challenge, uh, come and join us. We have some big plans in the works. Uh, so, yes, Skylar, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I mean, like teaser get in the discord by friday because big things are coming boom i i I was thinking maybe you wanted to say something this friday yeah no i don't don't roll like these 
AAA studios. When I make a release date, I stick to it. So we're this good. Friday is the uh, the big. This is the first step towards the huge things we have planned in our Discord server. So and uh, as Ty- as <laughs> I called you Tyler, as Very Skyler close to teased, doing it. <laughs> as Skyler teased last week, it will be the first sort of nugget into our new game world. Yes. Yeah. Because if you didn't know, we're making a game, and it's going to be great, and yeah, we're excited to share with you a little taste of part of it. Skyler won't let the game be bad. It's going to be great. No, if you okay. if you listen to anything I talk about, you will recognize that this game will be good, and when I say good, I mean good gameplay, not good money, necessarily, but hopefully both. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right. So, yeah, come find us, come talk to us. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Goodbye. Have a good week. And if you have any suggestions for podcast topics, come in and let us know because we're always looking for new topics. We come up with them all the time, and we would love to talk about stuff you guys are interested in. Yep. Very good. Hasta la vista, amigos. Goodbye.